Today on the Province Crier Podcast, we recap PC's dominant win against the Paul 93-55 last Saturday, and we'll recap the Friars' Big East regular season, which, which came to a close on Saturday. Obviously, the Friars have had a remarkable turnaround, so we'll relive uh, the biggest moments from the Big East regular season. And then to wrap up the show, we will preview this week's upcoming Big East tournament. The Crier reveals his brackets. I got picks for every game, and um, should be some should be some fun. I'm excited. All right, let's eat. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The oh, the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Alright, welcome to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That is at Providence Crier. And also you can read the blog. That's theprovidencecrier.wordpress.com. Today is Wednesday, March 11th, and it's Champ Week, baby. I'm excited. Um, you know, we're getting so close to the NCAA tournament. I can feel it. But obviously we have a big week coming up with the Big East tournament. We'll get to that Um and then I'll give you some of my other picks as well. But we're going to start off here uh, with PC wrapping up Big East regular season play at home against DePaul last Saturday night from Fox Sports 1. Um, I can't believe I was worried about this game. What was I thinking? Uh, PC just absolutely steamrolls DePaul. 93-55 is your final there. And it was more of a celebration than it was a basketball game, to be honest. Uh, PC, you know, it was a close, you know, relatively close game. Starting off about midway through the first half, PC did hold a 10-point lead. They were looking pretty good. Uh, They're up 25-15. to But then the route was absolutely on. The Friars... End up closing out the half on a 30-10 to 10 run. It was absurd. Guys were running threes. They hit eight of them in the first half. Um, it, it was pretty remarkable. You know, with 230, 2.30 left in the first half, my buddy asked me if I wanted to go grab a beer, you know, beat the halftime rush. And I thought, oh, you know, sure, why not? They're up 23. There's two minutes left. Like, what's going to happen? PC just ends up bringing it down on DePaul even more. 
They end up closing the half, the, those final two minutes there, on a 10-3 spurt. And, you know, they push their lead um, to 55, was it 55-25? Yeah, 55-25 at the break. And, man, like, that was impressive. Um, you know, that number 30, by the way, is, is pretty fitting. And we'll, we'll get to that a little later. Uh, when I recap um, PC's Big East regular season and how we got to where we are today. But um, that number 30 is an interesting number. We'll get to it, though. Second half for DePaul, you know, more of the same. Again, this wasn't really a basketball game. It was just a celebration of the remarkable comeback that the Friars have had. Um, And they really put a bow on it with this one against DePaul. Like, this wasn't even close to being a game at any point uh, after the first 10 minutes of playing the first half. Second half, 11 minutes left in the game. The Friars had a larger lead than DePaul did points. They were up 39. Uh, DePaul had 36 points. And, again, just a total, total domination from the Friars. Um, PC ends up pushing the lead out to 45. Like, it was unbelievable they were firing on all cylinders and then really cool moment happens towards the end of the game um cooley i had noticed he had subbed in the like all the seniors so it was the five seniors all out on the court together for the final stretch run there and um you know emma holt ends up hitting a three that was nice to see but then with about a minute 30 maybe two minutes left not quite sure, but uh, the guys, they bring the ball across half court, and they take a 24-second shot clock violation so Cooley can sub them all out, and they can all together get get a curtain call. And, man, I thought that was an awesome moment. I really did. Um, one, of our, one of the cooler moments at a sporting event like that, I can remember at least, it, it was just cool to see. Uh, I've never really been a part of that where, you know, it's one thing to give like a uh, curtain call or whatever at a baseball game, but to have five seniors in their last game at home on the court at the same time, uh, taking a shot clock violation so they can together be subbed out of the game, really cool moment. And to capture that off, Diallo, he runs the half court. He, he gets on his knees, kisses the court. Awesome moment. It reminded me a lot of when PC beat number one pit when I was a freshman in college. Um, and John Colley, uh kissed the center of the court as time expired and PC got the shocking upset over a then loaded Pittsburgh team. But um, similarly, Alpha Diallo does the same as uh, they get subbed out. And it, it was cool, man. It, it, they were all waving to the crowd. Uh, the crowd was loving it. Again, sidebar here. Another great atmosphere at the dunk. Uh, I believe students were on spring break. So, um, you know, you didn't have a student section, but I thought strong, strong showing by the crowd. Um, it was loud. It, it was, again, it, it was a celebration uh, more than a basketball game. So uh, hats off to the fans for showing up uh, to close out the regular season. You know, and again, that that, that was just – 
a really cool moment. I tweeted about it, got a ton of likes, no big deal. Um, but cool moment there. Some other stats uh, from the game, just some eye-popping things. PC shoots 48% from the floor, 43.5% from deep. Like I said, they were raining threes in the first half. They had eight of them, eight of the ten, I believe, that they hit for the game. Um, they go 80 and a half percent from the line, which is good to see. Obviously, they've had their struggles, especially earlier in the year at the free throw line, but I, th- I think it's gotten better. I, I don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking on this fake wood that is my desk uh, as we speak, but um, I don't want to jinx it, but it seems to me that they're a little more focused at the free throw line now. Um, so that was good to see. All five starters were in double figures, which was awesome. A.J. Reeves led the way, actually, with 19 points. Nate Watson, he got a ton of minutes. I think Cooley is trying to save Khalif for you know, the Big East tournament and then the uh, following NCAA tournament. Um, get him some rest while he could. Obviously, it was a blowout. I think Nate needed the time, actually, the extended minutes on offense. Um, he put together a really good game. So that's good to see. So maybe you can get him going offensively uh, this week at MSG. So really good there. Diallo, he had 17. Duke with 16. And then Pip with 12. Um, You know, we were talking. We are kind of surprised that Cooley didn't go with uh, all five seniors in the starting five. Duke Duke started. Reeve started. um, Watson started. So... You went back to the line that's been working lately, but um, you would think maybe he would start the five guys, but neither here nor there. Like I said, awesome moment when Cooley was able to sub all of them out. Um, but I think it was encouraging uh, in kind of a passing of the torch, if you will, um, that in this final game, the three guys that will be the focal point of your team next year, Reeves, Watson, and Duke, all had big games, which was good to see. Um, like I said, this just puts a bow on a great Big East regular season for the Friars. They get a program record 12 Big East conference wins in the regular season. Um, so an awesome accomplishment. And what better not time to do it on senior night. And uh, this group of seniors, man, I, I've written about them in my preview piece to the DePaul game. That, you know, kind of a ragtag group. You obviously have three guys in white, uh, young, and Diallo that have been together, uh, recruited together as freshmen. But then, yeah, Holt, who's been with the team for numerous years now uh, due to his medical issue that he had there. Um, Adding Pipkins as a grad transfer this year. You know, a ragtag group and a group that took a ton of heat, you know, going in. You know, when we were enter, entering Big East play, like, the seniors were getting slammed on social media about their lack of leadership and all this. And for them to turn that around and turn it into 12 Big East wins um, and cap it off with a, in, in a blowout performance, man, good for those guys. That, that was awesome. But, like I said, puts a bow in a great Big East regular season. And let's kind of take a step back here and just – relive what just occurred these last two months because it is remarkable like 
the crier prophecy, man, I, I said it during my roadside reaction to the Xavier game. The crier prophecy is that they make the Final Four in 2020, but I never said how we get there. And obviously, the way they started, I thought the crier prophecy might have been dead. But I didn't want to give up because I didn't want to look like an idiot. And uh, lucky me, the Friars making me look pretty smart now because they're going to be in the tournament and it was all because of a crazy Big East regular season. So, so let's recap it. You know, Like I said, Friars at one point in the year were 6-6 six and six on the season. You know the losses, Long Beach State, Penn, College of Charleston, URI, I guess that's a bad loss now, right? Considering URI like, needs to win the A-10 tournament to make the dance, even though they were a shoe-in for most of the season. But no big deal. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that was a bad loss too. But um, And then the blowout performance uh, at Barclays where Florida just steamrolled the Friars was definitely a low po- point in the season. And interestingly enough... That was the turning point that, that Cooley's been uh, alluding towards, uh, that he's told the media, that that was the turning point in their season. Um, they're at Barclays, and they lose that one by 32 points. Um, and at one point in the second half, as Cooley said it in his post-game presser, I believe after the Xavier game, I'm not sure if it was after Xavier or DePaul, but Cooley said that uh, you know he looked up at the scoreboard in the second half in the Barclays Center, and he noticed they were down 30. And he turned around, told the bench, guys, we're down 30. <laughs> and I guess he said, that was my bad. And then him and the staff, apparently the story is they've become, you know, didn't give the guys such a long leash, started making them more accountable and uh, expecting more out of them. And it has sparked a massive turnaround. So after that loss to, to Florida, the Friars get one more home game before the Big East play got underway. They end up steamrolling Texas, which was, you know, at the time, I wasn't sure if that was going to be a, a good sign or not because I didn't know how good Texas was. And certainly Texas left for dead at one point. They're prob- I mean, they're on the bubble big time, and I believe they play Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament, which is like a winner go home for either of those teams for the NCAA tournament. Just a side note there. But, you know, that Texas team is certainly capable, and the Friars were able to blow them out. So maybe that was a sign that, that, that we should have taken notice on. But um, So they finished non-conference 7-6. and six. Obviously, they need a miracle in order to get back in the conversation, or get on the bubble at least. Um, they were going to need a miracle in Big East play. And starts off, the Friars end up um, playing Georgetown in the first biggest uh, regular season game. They end up getting out to a massive lead. They're up 31 points at halftime. Um, obviously, Georgetown was without McClung. I believe they had your seven in that game, but they were without McClung. It was, that was the first time the Georgetown team was without McClung, and it clearly showed. Friars got all over them uh, before eventually hanging on. I believe they won by double digits. I know Georgetown came back and got Friar fans a little nervous, but, um, you know, they get that one, and then they have to go on the road uh, where they've 
play at DePaul and at Marquette. They bust out the retro jerseys, which, I mean, oh, some people want to say that was the defining moment of the season. It could have been. Who knows? Um, the Flyers, in their black and white retros, they beat DePaul on the road. Now, that was a game that they were playing pretty well, but DePaul made it interesting in the end. Tied 65 late. Nate Watson gets fouled with a second left. Of course, he missed the first one, but he was able to calmly sink the second, giving the Friars the win, 2-0 start to the biggest uh, season. And then they follow that up with a gutty, gutty win at Marquette. Um, if you remember that game, the Friars were down three late. Woj decides not to foul. A.J. Reeves makes him pay with a massive three. Uh, and the Friars are able to pull away in overtime. So that, that was a thriller. And all of a sudden, the Friars, who were 6-6 six and six at one point, have won four straight. They're 3-0 in the Big East. And us as a fan base, like, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe they can start, you know, actually have a turnaround here and uh, make it to the NCAA tournament. But they follow that up with a loss. They lose to Butler, which starts a string where they go uh, 1-4 in their next five. Obviously, the Butler game was a huge game. Butler was coming in pretty highly ranked, and the offensive woes that the Flyers showed in non-conference kind of cropped back up for them for the first time in Big East play. And, um, you know, they just couldn't gather anything offensively uh, against a Butler team that at the time was really riding high. Um, so they lose that one. They beat St. John's in a rock fight. But then they go to Creighton. They have that heartbreaker where David Duke just goes off, carrying the team, put the team on his back. But it was Marcus Zagorowski with the big three. We'll get to him later, too, um, in my Big East tournament preview. But Marcus Zagorowski hits the game-winning three for Creighton. They follow that up with the at Seton Hall disaster where Ramar Gill just ate them alive. And then um, they returned home in another gross offensive performance in a game in which Nova begged PC to win. But, uh, again, PC was just a mess. Um, so then, you know, for good reason, a lot of the fans thinking season's probably over at this point. It will probably be Big East tournament or bust. But then they rip off two games uh, against back-to-back ranked top 25 teams. And, again, for the second time this year, they sucked this right back in. Um... They go on the road to Butler. Pipkins was big in that one, hitting clutch free throws. They get a win in the retros again, I believe. Um, And then they follow that up where Creighton visited PC, and PC got to enact their revenge against the Blue Jays. And a really dominant second half as, as the Friars won pretty convincingly in that one. So again, sucked back in. Um, You know, if they can finish strong here, maybe we'll maybe we'll be in the bubble. And you know, maybe with a big good Big East tournament showing, who knows what can happen. Um, so then once we do that, they go back on the road for two. Uh, they can't execute down the stretch for Xavier. And then they have that ugly, ugly twenty-four point disaster game at St. John's. I think that's that might have been when, when people 
were ready to finally give up on the team. Um, I was pretty close. You know, I knew they needed to go 7-2 and two in the last nine games of the regular season. Um, and obviously you were hoping that one of those would have been the St. John's game. So, obviously, that one stung, but they're able to rally off six straight after that. Um, just a remark- remarkable, remarkable turnaround here. Um, you know, they have the crazy game at Nova where it's a rock fight, but they finally win it. Pipkins, is, like, he is having his one-shining moment at this point. Like, he has been unreal down the stretch of games, carrying our team uh, during this six-game stretch. Um, that Nova win was ballsy. That PC went 5-4 and four in the Big East this year on the road. That, that is the reason why they are probably sitting pretty right now in terms of an NCAA tournament berth. Otherwise, you can't have the season, the, the Big East season that, that you had, and you need to have a massive season uh, in order to position yourself for the tournament, and that's what they did. And luckily for them, you know, the bubble's been a bit softer, um, you know, and the fact that the league is so strong that no loss is necessarily a bad loss, and most wins are, you know, quad one wins, if not quad two wins. So... Um, a lot of factors had to come into play here for the Friars to be in the position that they are, but they miraculously have done it. The Crier prophecy is absolutely back on. Um, and, you know, they head in the biggest tournament now as a uh, the four seed, but as a team that nobody wants to play. And we'll get into that. Uh, my full Big East tournament preview. I'll have all the picks. But first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. So, like I said, leading into the show, it is finally Champ Week. The Big East Tournament is here. Man, I'm really excited. I'm such a huge fan of the Big East Tournament. Um, You know, even when I was younger as a College Hoops fan, I I wasn't a PC fan uh, necessarily. But always remembered, love watching Big East games and the Big East tournament. Um, crazy memories from Kemba to Jerry McNamara. Um, you know, and my uncle, my uncle, he, he lives in Connecticut, and he would go down for the Big East tournament before the conference realignment every single year, and he would always tell me how much of a blast it was. Um, and you know, he took my brother when he was old enough to drink to go with them, um, and they had a ball, and I was supposed to do the same, but then the Big East broke up, so there you have it, uh, and he was a UConn guy, so obviously he was going um, for the Huskies more so than anything else, but, uh, you know, there's just something about the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden, it really always delivers, um, whether or not the conference is having a good year or a great year. Um, there's always going to be big moments in the Big East Tournament. There's just something about Madison Square Garden. I don't know what it is, but um, I I expect the same this year. I mean, this year the Big East really had a bounce-back season uh, from last year. At this point, projected to get at least six, maybe seven teams into the NCAA Tournament, which would be 70%, which would be awesome. Um, You know, 
throughout the podcast throughout the season, we, we talked about how in the Big East there's no games off. Like every team this year is a top 100 team, a quality opponent. Um, there's no nights off in the Big East. And throughout the regular season, it, it showed that. Um, there was unexpected uh, games that occurred. You know, St. John's crushing Creighton the other day is just one example of that. Um, so there were many upsets, many surprises. Uh, Creighton, who was projected to finish seventh in the league, ends up getting the number one seed in a share of the Big East tournament or Big East uh, regular season tournament. So, I mean, crazy year. I, I think that will only continue leading up to this uh, Big East tournament. But, you know, starts off, and again, this is just my favorite, one of my favorite times of the year, just because the week before March Madness begins, um, you know, you got conference tournaments going on throughout the country, uh, basketball on during the afternoon, during night. Uh, it's just awesome. It's my favorite time of year, and it really gets ramped up on Wednesday when the Big East tournament officially gets underway. Um, so I'm recording tonight on Tuesday. Some conferences like the ACC uh, have already started, but the Big East, they will start theirs on Wednesday, coronavirus permitting. Um, obviously, coronavirus is becoming a huge um you know, world, worldwide panic, and especially in our country now, um, even though there aren't as many cases as other countries, uh, the U.S. is really starting to clamp down and, and start to go. You see the states now are going to a state of emergency. And then the crazy story that happens this morning, Ivy League canceling their conference tournament. Um, they finally added a conference tournament a few years back, and they decided it's a four-team tournament. And they decided that it will not go on this year because of coronavirus, which is such a shame. Um, I saw Bryce Aiken of Harvard tweet out how disappointed he was. I mean, how do you blame him? I mean, Harvard's the two seed. They could easily win two games in the Ivy League tournament and uh, be an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. Um, You know, Princeton, I don't know too much about them, but obviously they had an equal opportunity to make uh, the field by just winning two games in the Ivy League tournament. And then you look at a team like Penn, um, their coach, Steve Donahue, he had some uh, tough words about how heartbreaking it was to have to tell his team that season's over, no conference tournament, and his team sitting at the four seed. We saw them. They're definitely talented enough. Um, Who knows? Maybe they could have won the Ivy. Yet those three schools get screwed and it is Yale who ends up with the automatic bid as they were the regular season champs. But that was that was big. I mean, that had me nervous today. Again, I'm recording Tuesday night. Uh, throughout the day, I was pretty nervous when the news broke that the Big East tournament could follow a similar fate. But as of now, as I'm recording this pod, the Big East tournament is to go on as planned. And again, it'll start Wednesday night. We have the first four, the bomb six, the bomb four of the league will square off in a doubleheader. At first, you got the nine seed St. John's versus um, Georgetown. Tip at 7 p.m. on FS1. Um, first off, why is this the 7 p.m. game? I mean, I 
I guess, in my opinion, it is the better game of the two. I'd rather have it later, but I guess, I don't know, some people rather watch it at 7, I imagine. So maybe I'm just being an idiot. But um, St. John's versus Georgetown starting to become my, my favorite little appetizer for the Big East Tournament. Um, if you remember last year, they there were some fireworks between Ewing and uh, Chris Mullins. Turned out that would be Mullins last season at St. John's um, as he stepped down. But that that last year, that brought back some memories of the old Big East, which was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, Ewing and Mullins had their battles as players, and uh, last year they're showing it as coaches as they got into it on the sidelines. Um, but in this one, I mean, is little Mac playing? Mac McClung? He's been out for a while with a foot. Uh, Omer Yurt 7, same thing about him. I believe they're both questionable. I mean, at this point, where Georgetown is on the bubble, they're going to need to probably at least make the final game, final, um, the Big East Tournament final, if not win the whole thing in order to make the tournament. So what's really the risk, or what's the reward, I should say, for, for Mac and Omer to give it a go? I don't know, but I would like to see uh, McClung play in the Garden. Um, I think that, that would be cool. You know, I actually kind of feel bad for Georgetown. You know, they're at this point kind of stuck in the past on all their their lore and history that they've had. Um, great program, no doubt about it, but they just can't figure out this Big East. And this year, I mean, I like the Ewing hire. I think he's good for them. I think he can bring them back, to be honest. But he gets screwed in terms of guys leaving the program, guys getting kicked off the program. Um and then on top of that, he gets hit with an injury bug with Mac McClung and you're at seven. Um, so, I mean, I guess it will depend if those guys go or not. That could certainly alter the tide. But I'm going to go with St. John's at Madison Square. Um, I think they'll take care of business in the first game. Um, moving on to the nightcap for Wednesday. It is the seventh seed, Xavier Musketeers, and they can thank Kamar Baldwin for being in the spot. Kamar Baldwin in the Big East regular season finale at Xavier went off for 36 points, including hitting the game-winning three um, to really, really break the hearts of the Musketeer fans in Cincinnati. Um, so they now find themselves on the seven line, thus having to play Wednesday. Against the pole, 9.30 tip, FS1. Um, to be honest, not much analysis to do for this game, right? Uh, Paul Reed's questionable. My guess is why would he even go? He's a projected NBA draft pick, I believe. And, um, you know, DePaul packed it in against the Friars. Didn't even show up to the dunk on Saturday. Like, there's no way for me to think that they're going to um, show up in, in this one. And Xavier's in a must-win spot. So, I think Xavier obviously needing the win to keep their, you know, if Xavier loses, I think they're probably definitely out, which is tough because I believe they have 18 or 19 wins just like your Friars. But, um, yeah, if they lose that one, they're probably out. So, and they don't even know 
even if they win that one, who knows if that will be enough, if beating a DePaul team will be enough to get them over the hump and into the NCAA tournament. Um, but they're in a must-win spot. I think they should have no problem with DePaul. Um, man, again, how about DePaul? Like, in December, we, the, the Twitter movement of ranked DePaul was spreading like wildfire. And now, <laughs> they, they get, what, three wins in the Big East? And fall to 15 and 16 on the season? They don't even qualify for the NIT. You're talking about a team that beat Texas Tech um, at home and then went on the road and absolutely smacked an Iowa team that's currently in the top 25. Um, they were able to have a great non-conference, and then it just didn't come together at all for them in Big East play. Um, got a feel for DePaul. We've gone from ranked DePaul to DePaul not even making the NIT, not even being able to qualify for the NIT. Uh, disaster season for them. Yet, Dave Lato, I believe he has a top recruit coming in. Like, he keeps bringing in guys, keeps paying guys uh, to, to come aboard and be a demon. He'll probably get caught for cheating again, but who cares? Uh, that's, uh, man, just unfortunate for DePaul. But I think Xavier gets the win, and that ends Wednesday night. Then Thursday, one of the best days on the college hoops calendar. Um, you got the Bees tournament, and then you got a bunch of other tournaments playing in the afternoon, playing at night, all day hoops. It's going to be awesome. The Big East will start with the, uh, well, since I'm giving you my picks, it will be St. John's versus Creighton, the one seed. Um, I meant to mention this earlier, but the Big East regular season, the, the way it shook out on the last day, you had Villanova squeaking out a win at Georgetown where there was a questionable, questionable and one goaltending call that ultimately did the Hoyas in. You know, the Friars were in position to be a three-seat for the Bees, which is crazy to think about, obviously, how far they've come. Um, but then Creighton hosting Seton Hall. Seton Hall with a win would win the Big East outright. They had a chance to clinch it, I believe, the week before, earlier in the week against Villanova, but lost to them by two. Um, and Creighton just uses a second-half barrage and just buries Seton Hall. They end up with the one the It's a three-way tie for the biggest regular season crowd between Nova, Creighton, and Hall. Creighton ends up dropping a banner and starting controversy between Seton Hall and the Jays. Uh, Kevin Willard, head coach of Seton Hall, was not pleased with the banner drop. Um, so I think Seton Hall was a little pissed about that. But yeah, so Creighton is your one seed. And by the Criers bracket, they will be playing St. John's 12 p.m. FS1. Obviously, the biggest storyline going into this Big East tournament is the health of Marcus Zagorowski amidst that blowout win over um, Seton Hall. Zagorowski gets hurt late in the game. Like, I was reading that some were questioning why he was in the game in the first place. He gets an MCL injury, and now he is doubtful for not... Well, I couldn't tell. Twitch for a lot of people saying doubtful for Thursday's game, but I'm guessing if it's an MCL, that would have to mean a few weeks. So I would think doubtful for the tournament. I saw that on Twitter as well. Um, would have to imagine he's doubtful for the tournament, and not just their opening game. 
which is really too bad. Um, that Creighton team's a lot of fun to watch when they're all healthy and on the court, and Zagorowski's the guy that makes them go. So, um, tough to see him go down, but this would have been my, this would have been the Criers' upset even prior to the Marcus Zagorowski injury. I'm going with the Giants. So, now I'm really doubling it. Like, I thought the Giants would beat Creighton without, with Marcus Zagorowski. Now that he's out, oh boy, I better hope they win to make my pick correct. But, I'm going with the Giants. They've been hot as of late. Winners of two of three. Um, they stunned Marquette to end the regular season at home. Before that, they crushed Xavier. Um, I believe like a week and a half ago, they absolutely crushed, not Xavier, they crushed Creighton, who they're playing. Um, they crushed Creighton at their home court by like 20-some points. Um, they've won four of their last five at home. And the only loss was to Xavier by like three points. And before that, they had a loss at home, I believe, to Butler by like three or four points. So, they're a good home team, and wouldn't you know it, they're playing at Madison Square Garden. They have the home court advantage. Um, I really like what Nick Rutherford has brought to the Johnnies recently. Uh, And I'm going with the upset. Give me St. John's, and that should put a smile to the Friar fans' faces as this is similar to to what happened when PC won the Big East Tournament back in 2014. It was Seton Hall who upset number one seeded Nova um, and really gave the Friars a clear path to Doug McDermott in the championship game in which they won. So um, Friar fans will have a smile on their face if St. John's pulls the upset versus Creighton. But first they'll have to get through Butler um, Friars the four seed. They'll take on Butler the five, 230 FS1. Thank God I'm working from home. That's all I'll say. Um, but Butler, you know, Butler has seemed to figure it out as of late. They've won three straight. Obviously, they had a great non-conference. Start off the Big East season hot. Um, the best team in the conference, highest ranked team in the Big East. Um, and then they kind of fell flat for a lot of part. Uh, the middle part of the Big East regular season. But, like I said, they've won their last three games in impressive fashion as well, um, including that Kamara Ball win, Monster 3 against Xavier. Aaron Thompson, um, he was a guy that was out in the last meeting between PC and Butler, where PC won at Hinkle. He's a critical piece, really good defender, might be one of the best on-ball defenders in the conference. Uh, he's also got a can catch and shoot for three as well. So he, I assume, will be playing in this one. So he gives them another dimension. It, it'll be interesting, but you know what? I, I've seen this story play out way too many times. PC faces Butler at MSG and just rolls them. Butler has struggled since joining the Big East in the Big East tournament. Uh, I remember like every year my Big East preview that I would write up. I would have, like, can this be the year Butler <laughs> wins the game in the Big East Tournament? I think they have gotten off the schneid and won one. But the Big East Tournament hasn't been kind to Butler. And just the way the Friars are playing right now, like, how can you not pick them in this one? Um, so I think the Friars will get the win and will move on to Friday's semifinal. Um, then an underrated part of conference tournament 
uh, week occurs. Where you have the noon game, you have the 2.30 game, then you can take a couple hours off, you know, digest, reset, and get ready for the nightcap. Uh, so 7 p.m., the seven-seed Xavier will be playing Villanova based on the Criers bracket. Um, how much does Nova really need this? I think that's an interesting question. I think, um, I believe Jay Wright went on and told the media that, you know, it's interesting sometimes going from the Big East tournament and there's all this excitement and emotion in the games, and then you go to that first game of the NCAA tournament, far less crowded game, uh, and he feels like it kind of is deflating for the team. Uh, he said, and he said that's hurt them in the past. So it is interesting, like, how much does Nova actually need this? I mean, obviously if they lose, then I guess that puts pressure on whether or not there'll be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. But um, obviously a huge opportunity for Xavier. Like I said, you know, even if they beat DePaul, will that be enough for them to get in? I don't know. There's not a ton of meat on their resume. Um, they have a similar record to the Friars, but they just haven't beaten the quality opponents that the Friars have beaten. I mean, they did get that massive win at Seton Hall a few weeks back, but, I mean, I don't know. I think it'll be very interesting to see whether or not they get in if they lose this one. Um, I think Xavier will try and do what the Friars did to Nova and slow it down, grind out the game. But, uh, you know, th in this game, I think will be really entertaining. I think it's a dark horse for, for game of the tournament. We'll see what happens. But I think Nova ultimately will get past Xavier. Now Xavier has to sit at home and, and wait, nervously wait to hopefully have their number called uh, when Selection Sunday happens. Then we'll wrap up the night. The sixth seed Marquette will take on Seton Hall. Um, Marquette's been on an absolute free fall as of late. Uh, I believe they've dropped like seven of eight or something crazy. Um, but watch Marcus Howard. He's going to go off in this game. I don't know what the Big East regular er, tournament, conference tournament single game record is, but I bet you Howard's going to try and go for it and beat it. Um, so that is my prediction. Howard will set the record for most points in a single Biggies conference tournament game, but lose to Seton Hall. Uh, I think Seton Hall has something to prove after finishing third. Um, you know, and that's dangerous. I, I think that's very dangerous. When you have a team that, as talented as Seton Hall is, at this moment in time, I, I think they have a lot to prove. They fumbled away. Uh, winning the Big East regular season, now have to share it with Nova and Creighton. Um, so they have a lot to prove in this one, and I don't think whatever number Marcus Howard's going to put up, it won't matter. I think Seton Hall will get the win. Which, by the way, here's a fun fact for you. Marquette and DePaul, I mean, obviously they were been in the Big East longer than, than the real new guys, um, but Marquette, DePaul, Creighton, and Butler and Xavier do not have a Big East Conference Tournament title. And I don't think that will change this year as with the crash predictions there, all those teams are now out. All right, so then we move to Friday semifinals. It will start with the four-seed Friars going against the nine-seed St. John's. 6.30 tip, FS1. 
again, I'm working for, from home, so I won't have to be in a rush to get back after 5 p.m. and, and make the 6.30 tip. So um, I will be locked and loaded for that one. Uh, is Mustafa Heron going to play? I mean, he's been out for a while. I, I know, I believe he had a foot as well, and they said his season possibly could be over, but I, I didn't hear them rule him out for the Big East tournament, at least not yet. Um so it'll be interesting to see if they get him back. I think this will be a fun game, an exciting game. Um, I think PC won't necessarily try and play into St. John's hands and just turn the ball over a bunch like they did in the last game. But um, I, I think they'll try and look to play a little fast too. Um, I don't think they mind that. I think that's what makes this fire team so dangerous at this point is that they can grind out. Uh, a game with their defense and the way the offense has been running lately with Pip making a ton of tough shots um, tacking the hoop hitting threes when open uh, the ball movement has been great Uh, you know I think they can show off their offense when they need to too and and ultimately I just think you look at that game the last game where PC turns it over 24 times and yet still only lose by 11 that just shows me that PC is just way more talented than the St. John's team. So I'm going to take the Friars. They will move on to the championship game. Cooley finally beats Mike Anderson, although we did it earlier in the year. But I guess he will get revenge against Mike Anderson for ending his season last year in the NIT. Cooley and the boys will end it for Mike Anderson this year. Um, so, yeah, the Friars will be back in it which means I will be making my way to New York City Saturday night. Um, Corona ain't going to stop me. I'm making the trip. Um, Obviously, living in Boston, it's kind of tough to get out there Thursday, Friday. So me and my buddies, we always make a point of it. If they're in the final, we'll go to the final. So hopefully that's the the plan, right? Um, Going to MSG Saturday for the final. Um, But first... Find out who the Friars will play um, in a game of number two Villanova versus three Seton Hall, 9 p.m. FS1. This game is going to be an absolute war. Um, in the two meetings, Hall won at Nova by 15 points, and then Nova edged Seton Hall at their place by two last week. Um, two really evenly matched teams. I think Villanova obviously has the better talent, like, Better talent one through five, I would say. Uh, with Gillespie, um, Sadiq Bay, Samuels. Um, you know, they, they definitely have the more talented five, but Seton Hall has Miles Powell. And like I said, this Hall team, they're on a mission. I think Powell is going to do whatever it takes to get uh, past Villanova. I think this will be the best game of the conference tournament. And I think Hall will win a thriller and will meet the Friars. Seton Hall versus PC in your final Saturday, 6.30. We'll be on Fox. Um, You know, intriguing matchup for your final. You have two teams uh, and coaching staffs that have a lot of admiration for one another. Obviously, Cooley and Willard were on the staff together for the Pan Am team. And Miles Powell and Miles Kale were on that team and bonded with the PC players. Um, I think there's a lot of mutual respect between these two teams. Um, it's an interesting game because you have 
a desperate team, as Cooley's been calling these guys for the last two months, against a talented team with some of the proof. Again, I can't stress enough. I, I really think Seton Hall is pissed that they lost. Um, they fumbled away the regular season crown to themselves. Um, they were pissed to see Creighton drop a banner on their heads on Saturday. I think they'll be a team on a mission. Um, so, really interesting game. I, I think PC has seemed to solve the Romaro Gill riddle. Um, he was pretty awful in the game at the Duncan Owens Center. I think Alpha should continue to have success versus the Hall. He's got 48 points in two games. I mean, they have no one to guard him. And in the first game, they didn't have Mamu. They had him in the second game, and I thought, oh, no. There's a guy that can guard Alpha Diallo. No. Mamu got worked against Alpha Diallo uh, in that game at the dunk. Alpha Diallo had a career day, 35 points, but uh, Mamu was just no match. Uh, so I think Diallo should have a good game in this one. End of the day, though, I think it will come down to ball in your hands, needing the hoop. Who do you want, Pipkins or Powell? And as good as Pip has been recently down the stretch, uh, he's definitely a guard that can carry you in a tournament and definitely can win you a game uh, in the closing moments. But I'm taking the Big East player of the year, Miles Powell. I'm sorry. I have to do it. Uh, Powell's just a walking bucket. Obviously, he's got size on Pip, um, and he can get to the lane with ease compared to Pipkins, who really has to work for it and, you know, finish amongst the trees, whereas Powell, you know, he's just a professional bucket getter, man. Like, honestly. Um, So, unfortunately, I will take Seton Hall to win the Big East tournament over your Friars, our Friars. But, um, listen, that that would snap a eight-game win streak for the Friars. So, you know... I guess it'll just be time to start a new streak, right? Fire Prophecy. Like, we have bigger fish to fry than the Big East Tournament, although I would love to win it. We have bigger fish to fry here. Final Four Atlanta. Let's go. Fire Prophecy is on. But to close out here, just a few takes on some of the other conference tournaments going on. Um, I think FSU... I'm kind of going shock. I kind of feel bad about this, but I think FSU will win the ACC. They're just... They're the deepest team in the country, in my opinion. Uh, I really like Florida State. Um, you know, they, they just have guys, and they roll five deep, and then they can bring in, like, four four more guys on top of that. I, I think they're a really deep team, and that's why I think they'll take the ACC. In the Big Ten, I'm going to go chalk again. I'll go Maryland. Um, Maryland, they end up getting crushed by Rutgers. Um a, a, a few weeks back, I believe, um, a week ago, Saturday, they get crushed by Rutgers, but then they follow it up and win the Big Ten regular season title. Um, that Maryland team is another team that's loaded. They just got a lot of players that can do a lot of things. Anthony Cowan's a great league guard. Eric Ayala can make shots. Aaron Wiggins is a really good wing to have. Uh, Stick Smith is just a beast down low. I think that Maryland team's loaded, and I think they will win as well. In the Big 12, however, I won't go Kansas. I think Baylor makes amends for the epic game at Kansas where, you know, 
Baylor's been number one team for a long time, and you think they could win the Big 12, and then Kansas goes in there and into Waco and beats them, and Kansas ends up wrapping up uh, the conference tournament to start a new streak for Kansas. They had theirs broken last year, but give me Baylor in the Big 12. Um, in the pack, I like Colorado. They've been struggling big time as of late. Lost to Cal. Um, you know, they're going through struggles at the worst time. But I really like their guard, uh, Wright the fourth. He's really good. Um, they got a Bay as well, Tyler Bay or something. Uh, he's a good wing. They have shooting. Um, you know, they're hobbling here down the stretch in the pack, but. The pack's been so wacky that give me Colorado in that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that should do it for the major conferences. Um, A10, sorry. Give, give me Dayton or give me Davidson as a dark horse. But you're right, not going to happen. You're not making the tournament, hate to tell you. Uh, but yeah, that should do it for our show. Really exciting week of hoops. Uh, hope you guys follow along on Twitter again at Providence Crier. Read the blog. Maybe I'll have something to post. Um, who knows? Maybe a Big East tournament championship game preview with the Friars and Seton Hall based on the Crier's bracket. But we'll be back next week, everybody. Have a, have a good one and go Friars. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, Let's take them back to school PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, D.I.L.O. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Cross over, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me while I take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah